With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that, like the first half on Saturday, is a complete waste of 45 minutes. This week on Heart and Hand... Ah! So, welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast. My name is David Edgar. I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by Mr. Scott Vandenacker. Hello, folks. Hello. How are we? Mm, you know, in, in a Rangers context, probably a bit down in the dumps. A bit down. Um, that's the thing. A lot of people had contacted us in the, the aftermath of the game on Sunday, and they said, I suppose it's going to be a really angry pod. And to be honest, I don't think it is going to be a really angry one, so much as reflective and disappointed. It's you know that when you were a kid, um, and you did something wrong, the worst thing from your parents wasn't the mad explosion. It was when they sat you down and said, "You know what? We just feel really let down." Yeah, that was always with a shake of the head and the, yeah. the, 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 oh. that's it. The, the you know what? It's I, I'm not even angry. I just feel really hot and let down, and that is kind of where I am about Sunday, because. I felt that if nothing else, we would give them a game. We might lose that game, but we would give them a game and that they would come off having had to work hard and it would be a battle. It didn't transpire like that, did it? Rangers didn't turn up until, if I'm being generous, they started the second half better, conceded the the penalty. And after that, although Rangers made a few chances, it was because I think Celtic had dropped into what we have, we hold mode. If we get another goal, great, but we'll make sure we don't concede one. And that was that was the worst aspect of it for me, the fact that I think Celtic won that match without having to find top gear. I don't think they really get out of second gear. Um it was really disappointing. I think it can be summed up by uh, the sponsors of the Cup, William Hill, have got an app where you can find you a picture, a crystal clear photograph of every every fan in the crowd. Mm. And you can sort of tag yourself in the photo. And all of the Rangers ones I've seen, everybody looks devastated. That's right, yeah. They look like either someone in the family's died or you farted near them. It's been... I think the you know the, the the recriminations have have started from the fans, and there was a lot of anger because you felt that going into this match, Celtic had the better side. We all knew that. I don't think there was any doubt about that. But I really didn't think that this Rangers team, of all the things that they would do, would be shit the bed. Um, I thought that they might get exposed for a lack of ability, for a lack of pace, for a lack of technique, all the thing, all the physical elements. Uh, that Celtic may just have a bit too much quality for us in the last third especially but for us to turn up looking so passive, I can't think of another word for it, almost resigned it it was that old cliche about 
I think that game was decided at 5-12 to 12 because I don't think that the Rangers players thought as a unit we can do this today. Not even we will do this today. I don't think that they even thought we can do this today as opposed to 12 months ago. I've no idea where it came from because they had been playing reasonably well. Certainly defensively, there has been a marked improvement over the last month. And they had gone to Parkhead and got a draw. I mean, gone to Parkhead and and got a draw and fought to get that draw. And then to turn up and be so meek and just sit back and say, well, uh, we thought this was going to happen. That first half, we didn't lay a glove on them, apart from Andy Halliday's heroic early tackle, which I know I'm supposed to be fended about and it was a terrible tackle and I would be up in arms if it was a Celtic Blood to Rangers player. That's all correct, but you know what? One high spot and otherwise dismal day. It was, I think... Uh, I admit it, I'm a hypocrite, Scott. I admit that, that if it had been a Celtic player, I'd want him done with assault. Although, we'll because, probably touch on this, we'll touch on this later, but um, about the sort of fallout from the tackle, but I think there's a lot of different things. I think the first thing you mentioned there was the drop at uh, Parkhead. I think that given everyone a sort of... The drop at Parkhead? The draw. I think you said the drop. I was thinking no. like that guy in 1999, the one that had butted the lower concourse from the top one. No, no, that was that was funny in its own way. That was very no, funny, yeah. Um, no, I just... Uh, I think that given people maybe a, not a false sense, but it maybe showing a sort of a, a pattern of what could be done, a way of playing against the Celtic team. And it did involve passion, it involved we our luck a bit, but it also involved some good play. Sunday, what was so bizarre about Sunday was, I think being there, I was right behind the goal, and I think the first thing to notice was that a lot of the air was sucked out the Rangers end by the team sheet and by the shape. It may not have meant to be, I know it was supposed to be some sort of four four two. But it looked to all the world like a Warburton thing. That's what everybody was saying. It looked like a 4-3-3. It did. People didn't understand how we could match up in midfield that way. People felt it hadn't worked any time in the past under Warburton. People were right on both counts. Yes. And I think not having Mackay and not having Toral, I think people... We were in place by about 20-12. to 12, and The Rangers end was actually busier than the Celtic end. A real good atmosphere was brewing. And in the teams, people started chatting and... Definitely, was a, something was sucked out of the air. And then you saw the team in the first fight. I mean, the first, what, especially 20 minutes were just horrific. Yeah, they were. Absolutely horrific. I mean, they were terrified. And then a lot of stuff emerged afterwards, which I think you're going to touch on later, about strange things that Pedro has said since, about the, you know, the way the players are feeling before the game. But I think the most disappointing thing was we never turned up. We had no belief. Even things like, throw the ball to a player who'd kick it straight back into touch. We had three kicks that ended up going back to a goalkeeper. Yeah. And this thing, when they scored their second goal, but it was even in the first half, it was, we had a long throw thing where all both centre-halves would come up. We'd only leave one player back and try and get a long throw in the box. At, and that's, of course, what led to the penalty. And I don't know, there was a lack of any cohesion a lack of belief. We didn't get anywhere near them. Another thing, there was no press. There wasn't a high press. There wasn't a low press. There wasn't a Gagan press. There wasn't a Gaylord press. There was nothing. We didn't actually get near there them. There wasn't a stay press. There wasn't a stay press. There wasn't a trouser press. No. Um, and in the end, we seemed to be five, six, seven yards off any Celtic player of the ball. And the goal summed up, the first goal, where, from where I was, at first I thought there must have been an offside flag had gone up. Because when Dembele rolled the ball back, there was absolutely nobody near the Celtic player. He just stroked the ball into the corner of the net. And I thought, that can't be from open play. And that just, that just told its own story. There was no one anywhere near the, the guy that scored the goal. And it was just horrific. It was a backward step. That's the worst thing as well. We've been doing a bit better recently. A bit better at the back. Scored a few goals. People were cautiously optimistic. It's a massive step back the way. It was an absolute horror show unfolding. Yeah, I can't... <sighs> I can forgive, as I say, defeat is so hard, but I can forgive it if I feel, do you know what, they gave every last ounce they had there. I I don't think that. And not because they deliberately went, I'm not going to try, because that's stupid. Uh, that's not a thing that footballers do. But they were inhibited mentally, and that meant that they couldn't give their all physically. It meant that they weren't at the top of their game because oh. something was wrong with Rangers in the head. 
And and that makes muscles get tighter. That makes muscles get tighter. That yeah. makes mistakes happen. It makes you cautious. It makes you do things that you wouldn't normally do. And that was exactly what happened. And what was so disappointed is any fluency that we'd built up over the preceding six weeks was gone. I think that Pedro got the team wrong. Uh, let's not fall into Warburton esque what we're going to defend when we see something that we saw was wrong that we just defend them because we like him and we want them to succeed nor should we go he's useless based on one game get him to because we have a squad of players that we know isn't good enough and this is just confirmation of that I think what it brought home is that on top of talent a lot of these guys lack the mentality that's required to to make it with a club like Rangers and you saw that on, on Sunday compared to Celtic where they have two or three leaders and the rest of the team feed off that and work off. And they're confident. I mean, they should be confident. They've had a great season. And you could see that they expected to win the match. That didn't bother me. What bothered me was our team looked as though they expected them to win the match as well. And that goes beyond frustrating. Now, there's a few things to, to pick up on. First of all, the team. Pedro got it wrong. I think we'd agree on that, right? Yep, absolutely. Secondly, the formation... I couldn't tell what it was supposed to be. You couldn't tell what it was supposed to be. And by the looks of it, I'm not sure the players did either. It did improve in the second half with changes, which makes me wonder why that 11 was selected. And we're now at the stage with Garner and Waghorn that when you see them on the field, both of them at the same time, collectively, it's like a man down and... Don't mean to be getting personal. Martin Waghorn puts a shift in. Joey, uh, Joey, uh, uh, say Joey Barton. Joey mm-hmm. Garner puts a, a shift in. But, I mean, their impact on the game was virtually nothing other than one meme for Martin Waghorn. Um, and it happens too often now for us to just say, oh, it was a bad game, the midfield didn't give them supply. It's every, almost every week. It, it's certainly, it's kind of, you might get a good game one out of four or five. And when you've got both of them on, then you can't carry them. If you've got maybe somebody else on who's playing well or the team's playing well, their work rate might get them through, even though their quality won't. But on, on Sunday, you saw that. And that's why when the changes happened... But by then, it was too late. The die was cast. There was no way that we believed we were coming back into the game. Tavernier's made the stupid tackle, which is a shame because I thought otherwise he did well. Um, it was a penalty. People have said, well, did he get a touch on the butt? It doesn't matter. He brought him down. It's a penalty. We're not like them. Um, you know, we, we can see that this is not part of a wide-ranging and centuries-old conspiracy. Uh, we, it was a penalty, was all there was to it. And you can maybe blame Wes for not coming off his line quick enough. That might be a question of fitness, because there was obviously rumours leading up to the match about how fit he was. And then the second half, again, to kind of spout the, the old cliche, Kenny Miller played them himself, you know, he tried to make things happen, and I've seen people complain about Miller's lack of quality, you know, well he runs about and people think he's having a good game, well I'll tell you something, when the rest of them are as static as that, and he's the one that's running about, you're fucking right I think he's having a good game, because at well, least he's showing heart. At least, yeah, he was the only player that looked utterly disgusted with the day's events as well um, basically I think we'll come on to recruitment later, obviously in a few weeks, over the next few weeks that'll be the time when the pod moves to next season and talking about the plans we're going to have to recruit a few more of Kenny Miller's attitudes to football we can talk all day we have talked on this pod for seven years okay about the type of players Rangers have got we've had good players bad players over the seven years we've been decimated down to Division 3 we need to start looking at that almost indefinable characteristic bottle we've ended up with a squad for a variety of reasons um, maybe the previous management team, maybe luck, maybe just budget. But we've got absolute bottlers. There's hardly anyone who can self-motivate or really cares enough. And I think Kenny Miller showed on Sunday again that he's the only one that's not scared of them and that he sees these games as exciting. Uh-huh. He, he wants to talk to his kids and grandkids about the time he played in cup finals and semi-finals. The rest of them shat their pants. And we need more people at Kenny Miller who see this as an opportunity to express yourself and to enjoy a big game where you can, where you're young enough to be a professional and not something to be absolutely dreading. I think that's a key point and I I absolutely agree with it. That How often do you hear people come out with things like these are the games you want to play in? That's a footballer cliche, isn't it? You know, When you yep. start out, these are the games, a cup semi-final at the National Stadium, live on television. The words 
came out last week as to be expected, but the performance didn't reflect that. The performance looked like several of them were frightened by the occasion, frightened by the opposition, and were unable to perform. Now, we won't go too into this because we don't know, but there were rumours that John Terrell had pulled out with a a back injury on the day of the game and that he had done the same at the game at Parkhead leading some to speculate whether or not it was due to an attack of nerves or whatever now other people and people from the club as well are saying that no he was genuinely injured I suppose the only way we'll know will be if he plays on Saturday would be the only way to tell I I think a few people who are maybe close to the club had sort of you know tried to tweet that he was he picked up an injury midweek, and it hadn't. He tra- he travelled to the game in his club suit, changed into his tracksuit for the warm up, etc. And it seems strange if he'd been carrying an injury that he'd have been on the bench in a cup semi final. But you're right; nobody knows. What is interesting though is that after the game, and I'm fairly sure this is related to translation and to English not being Pedro's first language. But there's a very strange. Conversations you'll notice between Pedro and the media about Helder, his assistant, yes. saying that they had to alter the Team pre-match talk, talk yeah. because the players were so nervous they were shitting themselves, and they and they couldn't cope with a ball. Uh, yeah, and he almost said, you know, go go a little easy on them. You can't be hard on them. That was, I think, one of the quotes was um, they can't take, yeah, or you can't be hard on them at the moment. They can't take that, and that's very that's strange, peculiar, yeah. isn't it? That's really peculiar, and you would hope then that if that is the case and again maybe it's a cultural thing and Pedro doesn't realise it over here how much we value thud and blunder you know and being up for it and getting the faces and all that kind of stuff you know um, I wonder if perhaps there was something lost translation but if it, if that is the case that they can't match then we're going to have we knew we had to weed out a lot of players anyway but maybe a few others have been added to that list because if your attitude is like that, then you're not going to go anywhere with this club. It's just not possible because of the demands from the support. And it's never going to change, as we can see, as we've seen the last few years, no matter where we are, the demands remain the same. Now, there was the um, press conference where he tried to explain tactics um, to the media with water glasses, and the, the media um, collectively laughed at him for this. I have to admit that I didn't find it particularly odd or... Funny is it? Is it just me? It was a manager who likes to talk about tactics as opposed to coming in and swearing and snarling and having a fight like a manager we've seen recently. Like a manager who comes in and blames the officials. He just come in and talked about the game using tactics. And surely we've all seen, even growing up and playing at levels of football, when people would grab whatever they had in front of them to make that example. I mean, it's it's, it's nothing new. Uh, um, you like myself, I'm sure have been to Europe a lot, and uh I quite like sometimes to watch the, their version of Match of the Day. It sounds really sad, but if I'm in... And I've, I've watched, like, Eredivisie highlights. and uh, In Italy, there's a show... Now, Italy is obsessive. In Italy, the, the programme lasts about three hours. And it's got eight or nine pundits on it, hasn't it? And they've got camera angles of every incident. And I think this is a cultural thing. Pedro is used to the players and the management team dissecting the game. That's what they do. They don't laugh. They don't have, like, Michael Stewart and Stephen Thompson saying... He wouldn't do that. He's a great lad. He'll be disappointed with that. Aye, uh, he hits it, goes in the back of the net. Woof. Yeah, that's it's a some great run, and he's there in the middle to head at home. Yeah, that's uh, the analysis we get here. And in Italy, I mean, I remember once I was watching the DVZ and it was cup. You know, it was really long. And there's a player interviewed after the game. He must have been interviewed for about fifteen minutes, not fifteen seconds. And you could tell clearly that he was going through every incident, how he felt, how the team played, and uh, it's just a different culture. Pedro's obviously used to be asked about football. And it will take him some time to realise that the press up here know absolutely fuck all about football. Nothing. And I think Pedro can put away his pepper pots and his glasses and there's no point in explaining anything to these people. You're getting guys like Graeme Spears taking the piss out of Pedro over the tactics. Graeme Spears would have to look up tactics in the dictionary. Mm. He's got no idea. You, there's a famous story about you and him going to head-to-head Radio Scotland, David. He's a pundit who knows less about football than you do and you're just a season to go older. You pay to go to the games. Mm. And you know more about football than a guy that's paid to write about it. 
Yeah, Pedro, I mean, sh- uh, Pedro should ignore them. Just I would if I was him, I'd switch off. There's no point in trying to teach these people anything. No, they're, they're not interested in it. And the fact is, is the fact that they are kind of collectively getting together and going, "Oh, isn't he funny? Look at the funny." I've said before, and I stick by it. That I think there's more than a whiff of xenophobia to it. I think it's very much. Don't get me wrong. I think it's also the clubbies at that uh, they were going to mock regardless. But I think the fact that oh, look at this funny foreigner. Uh, I, I do think that. That's part of it. Um, look at him with his ways. Look at him with his tactics coming here and trying to tell us how to play football. And again, I wouldn't mind it if we were good at football, but we're not. However, fair enough, you know, we can't really say anything after after Sunday because it was it was just atrocious. There, there's very little you can pick out of it positively. I would say if you were really searching, you could say that um, young Beerman had a torrid time up against a good player, but he never had. And it wasn't... Um, I have to go back to maybe the likes of, you know, Fernando Rickson's debut at Parkhead where you had to pull him off after 25 minutes. Um, Beerman stuck in there. The guy had the better of him, but it'll be a good learning curve for him. And young Bates did fine. Uh, I cannot... You and I have talked to this. Off pod, sorry. See the shite he gets so far? Oh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, Bates. It's, it's, yeah, I don't want to talk to our fans in critical terms because you and I have been doing this for seven years and five of them have been terrible. Right? We've been, our fans have stuck mean, by no, us. No, no, the years have been, the show has been top notch. Yeah, the show's been brilliant. I right. mean, the show's been award worthy. Uh, absolutely, time. that's award worthy, repeatedly award worthy show. Um, yeah, and, but our fans are great and I'll never criticise them. I hate folk, but, oh, fuck, I mean. I, sorry, I, I'm almost going to get the anger that you talked about earlier. He's he's just turned 20. He's played six games for us. He was absolutely fine on Sunday. He was really good. He stuck to his task. I thought he's the best of the defenders. Apart, well, apart from Tav, he's the best of the two central defenders. And people are saying, aye, but he can't really pass the ball. Name one of his passes on Sunday that put us into danger. Or any of the com- matches. And then compare that to the midfielders. Mm-hmm. Or any of the matches accurate. and compare it to Kiernan. You know, any of the yeah. four matches the kids played and uh, the five matches, sorry, that he's played and compare it to Kiernan, for example. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. It's this thing, it's like, oh, this boy who's in the first month of his first team career doesn't look like Richard Goff. And you're like, no, he fucking doesn't, all right? You know, Jesus Christ. John Terry was a slow starter. It takes a wee while. Give him time. And everybody's focusing on what he's doing wrong as opposed to focusing on what he can do. And I, I just so He's keep the ball out of the net so far, yeah. mostly. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you 100% there, mate. So, we're going into Saturday. And... Oh, fuck. Before we go there, then, let's... You mentioned something I want to bring back up. The... You said something about the fallout from the Andy Halliday tackle? Yes, um, right. What I don't understand is this, and you have to help me, Dave, because you're a very smart man, okay? And I want to I want to lean on your wisdom. I need to lean on your insight, okay? Guan. Right, Raselic, okay? So, Andy Halliday made a bad tackle on Patrick Roberts on Sunday, right? Are you with me so far? I am. And that means that the compliance officer should not ban Bruni for a tackle on a different player a week before in a different match altogether that's unrelated. I, so, uh, help. Help. Um, well, you're, you're kind of... To me, this is like asking the HR officer on the island of Dr Moreau to explain the behaviour of, of some of the staff. It's, it's impossible. Uh, it was a bad tackle, right? They got a penalty... Fair enough. Things happen. Sometimes you get decisions, sometimes you don't. And this thing that, they, that they're trying, they're saying, oh, yeah, but we complain about decisions when, we're, when we lose, we're paranoid, when we complain when we win, it's sour grapes. No, it's just the fact you complain about fucking everything and you're never happy and you never fucking will be. You won the match, get over it. You know, can you imagine us reacting in that way? Genuinely, even if the, you know, or even back when we were the top side, can you can you imagine us reacting in that way? We'd forget it the next day. Absolutely. It's just, it's bizarre, but also to try and link the two incidents as if, well, Andy Halliday means that Bruni doesn't get... Yeah. What? It's, I mean, what? what it's, this, you, it's this equivalency what? thereafter. Yeah. You know, well, I obviously, because he had that tackle, it means you can't, but no, it doesn't work like that. No. You fucking idiots. Absolute cretins. Um, and plus, as you say, it was only a laughed at in the first half. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, that, it's kind of sad when that's a highlight of your game, but it was. Now, I think the highlight, sorry, can I say the low light as well, as I said, was the moment when we took, a sh- I think it was a shy, and the ball came back, and it was side to gently, 
and lobbed straight back into the crowd for throwing to Celtic. Yeah, no, the other like, one that I remember was the ball broke to Waghorn. They heard after it. Miscontrolled it. Just kind of barely keeps it in. If he does keep it in, miscontrols it again, gets to the byline, fails to keep it in, and you're just like, oh, for <laughs> Then he missed a, a header that he should have put away. And, and I feel sorry for Wycon because it feels like I'm picking on it. I'm really not. Because as I've said before, for 200 grand, the guy has done us a turn based on, you know, the return on that 200 grand has been decent. I don't think anyone can complain. But it's it's just... You would have. I would have thought he would have kicked on. I thought he was a player that, that had the ability to to kick on, and he hadn't. At half time on Sunday, there was a three Celtic and three Rangers fans had a comedy football shootout, and you sort of get the impression a lot of our players should have taken part in that instead, really. No, they would have probably been scared that they would have lost. Right. Now we've got a home game with them on Saturday. It's very important for us now because I think they need to show us something, and I think that they need to. I think they owe us a bit of heart if nothing else and I think that they have to go full throttle and I think that the manager has to say whatever it was he was trying on Sunday failed and yes that's important he has to redress that we were completely swamped in the middle of the park now you might have plans that involve us going 4-3-3 4-4-2 whatever Rangers currently for whatever reason if we have two in that midfield, we cannot match the two that Celtic play. Uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's an attitude thing. Maybe it's a quality thing. I think Armstrong's a good player. I think Brown carries himself like a guy who thinks he's a good player and that might distract our players enough. But I feel we need the extra man in there. And then you work from that. To be honest, a lot of this, all, we've spent five weeks, from a heart and hand point of view, We've spent the last five weeks saying that Pedro at least seems to be tactically flexible, and that's what he needs to show. We cannot repeat Sunday. You're absolutely spot on there. Pedro has to show that he's he's watched it, taken it on board, dissected the game, and is prepared to make the tweaks necessary. As you say, after the game, with, it, with the glasses of water and the pepper pots, he was trying to explain that it was a 4-3-1-2, and that Miller wasn't actually playing up front. And there was no word and it was a tight, narrow box to to cut off passing channels. We like a nice, tight box. I do like a nice, tight... And um, forget it, forget it, Pedro, okay? We need to compete in midfield. We need to be a bit more cagey. And basically, we cannot get a one-sided pumping again. The, the Things are a very delicate... How will I put this? Because this is not the pod for, for this discussion. But with the board... With the chairman, with the funds involved, with the mess we've made of the season in general, it's not a tipping point as such, but people are not really finding it much of a laughing matter at the moment. And I think a pumping on Saturday, it would go down even less well than usual. I think that, not us so much, but we, we, we keep, David and I keep an eye on social media and Mark's website. And all. People are a little bit disgruntled, would be the word I would use and a bit unsure and uncertain about what the future might hold. I think Pedro has to realise this, and he has to do something Saturday that involves us laying a glove on them, playing for the jersey, sweating buckets, and at least making them fight every step of the way for any results Celtic might get, or preferably getting us a result. We can't cave in. No, we can't. And, um, there has to be that determination, efforts, but all these old intangible qualities that you can't necessarily show on a heat map. Uh, and they are derided um, by modern football experts, and I understand that, but at the same time, it's one of these things that if you're a supporter sitting in the stand, you know if you've witnessed it or not. You know, yes. the stats may tell you one thing, but your eyes will tell you another. And in this instance, we need to see, as I say, two words that sum it up and we'll always uh, battle fever. That's it, exactly. We are playing them yeah. at home. And if nobody, if there's people at our club who don't understand what that might entail, then they shouldn't be at our club and they won't be for much longer, hopefully. No, and I, I just think that... The other thing I've heard that um, the players found... Again, these are just rumours, and again, 
coming from the media and again you know we uh we we don't set a lot of uh a lot of trust in rumors from that but we should i suppose discuss them that the players found and find pedro's tactical instructions a bit impenetrable and they, they don't understand what they're being asked to do i'm gonna say i think that that is i would have said that's bollocks but what I would say is maybe Sunday has convinced me that it's half bollocks. It's one bollock, if you will. It's Hitler. Demi demi bollock. Demi bollock, exactly. Right. Um, it is one sack sand bollock. And yes. what what I think it is is you can't say they don't understand what he's trying to do, given the fact that the defence has clearly improved over the time that we've that he's been there. Even on Sunday, of all the flaws in the side, it didn't look like a goal every time Celtic poured forward. Nope. So, defensively, a structure has been put in place and it's quite clear that Lloyd didn't have a good game on Sunday. Certain players like Holt have improved. Wilson has improved. And Tav has shown more defensive awareness. Bates has taken it on board. Bates well and, and Beerman have been fine coming in. I mean, God, can you imagine her trying to blood two youngsters at once under Warburton in a back four? Christ. No, I mean, seriously, that, that fills me with dread. So, I don't believe that for a second, that all the players. However, having watched it, maybe some of them can't. So rather than this, that what the press are trying to spin, this uh, this kind of mythology or, or certainly this kind of narrative that, aye, the players don't understand him, he's impenetrable, he's a funny foreigner. Could it not just be the case of that some of them don't? And I'm a great believer because of Again, you haven't been in any dressing rooms, but from what I've read, from the amount, I mean, you know me, I'm a football nut. I've watched loads and loads of interviews, read loads and loads of books, and a constant theme from people in the game is that footballers, some footballers, will cling on to any excuse rather than yes. just admit to poor performance. And I wonder if, for some of them, they are saying, ah, well, I don't understand what he's asking me to do to cover the fact that they're not doing anything and they're certainly not doing anything well. <laughs> Indeed. There's three three things I would like to, to bring up. Number one is, I think we've talked about in the pod before, I think we've talked about African nations a while back, and organising defences these days is the easiest thing to do. And it's also the most popular thing to do, and it's what's brought a lot of nations up the FIFA rankings. It's... Uh, it's also changed the nature of football, especially in places like Africa, where the African Nations Cup used to be a festival of seven, five, or three each, and now it's the same as everywhere else. It's really well-drilled, boring teams. Well, the Champions League's gone back the other way, to be fair. Yeah, they've chucked it. Nobody can defend. Nobody bothers, but, except Juventus. Yeah. So, I think maybe the drilling of the defence, as you say, might have been easier to take on board. Secondly, you're right, this could be to do with personalities, because without going into it, Reading between the lines of what you're saying, the problems lie middle to front more. Well, yeah, and, clearly. I mean, yeah, I, and good. some of those players maybe the ones who are finding it harder to to grasp the concepts. So it could just be individuals and not a problem with Pedro. But thirdly, the one thing I heard individual, not just from the press, but I heard from somebody who's God, in the know. I hate that, right? But was that it was very intense, and some of the players were actually becoming a bit tense. At training, training was not particularly relaxed. There was a lot to take in, and they didn't fully understand it. And Pedro himself, after the game, with a with the glasses of water, and I saw an interesting thing online. It was what Rangers were trying to do and the type of press it was supposed to be mm. by making the pitch narrow, and they didn't do it, or they didn't. And clearly, they hadn't grasped. And I'm wondering if if it's IQ levels or just it was a particularly difficult type of. And apparently, as a known, it's like a. It's like a box press or something. It's called where you force it narrow and you, you cut off the lanes of passing. And we couldn't clearly we couldn't do it. The only thing that worries me about that is Pedro should have known in training. Like we've read all the Mourinho books and he talks people through it. And he walks them through it. In fact, he ties their legs together. And Pedro should have seen that the players really didn't know what this type of press was or how to stop the lanes of passing. And that by Thursday or Friday he should have known that they didn't really have any idea what he was talking about. But then is this not? Simply a price you're going to have to pay for hiring a manager during the season as opposed to starting them at you know the beginning of pre season and giving them the six, eight weeks, whatever, 
to drill the players every you know every day. Instead, that there's been matches. He's had to change the side. There's been injuries, etc. Is it not a case of that there will be the occasionally times where people go, I'm not entirely sure what I'm being asked to do because rather than being doing this away from the the glare of the season and matches, I'm being asked to do learn it in the summer and I can go away and learn it. Whereas instead, you're right, he's he's basically trying to get it across to them while trying to get results at the same time. It's very difficult, I agree. But then there may be a counter-argument that he should maybe have kept it a bit simpler. Like, I think he should be working on pressing, and I totally agree with him. It's really crucial. Under Warburton, we didn't work hard enough to put pressure on teams at the back. But maybe there's a simpler a simpler type of press. Like Miller, for example, Kenny Miller naturally does it. He always tries to hunt down the man with the ball. Maybe trying to get uh, Waghorn and Garner interested in that kind of thing. Maybe it's something involving the strikers. I just think maybe this... Maybe now is not the time for complicated new systems when these players are clearly, as you, you've commented on the first minute of the pod, they're scared and a bit shit and a lot of them will be gone in the summer. I just wonder if complicated tactical situations are, are for now. That's maybe my, my question. Well, I mean, I can't rule that out, Scott, because we've seen what's happened with a dogmatic manager who refuses to change to fit his circumstances. That's why Pedro has this job. Correct. So I can't just sit here and say, oh, I'm sure it's not that because, you know, we, we have seen an example of a manager who has his system and his beliefs and his ideals. And that is exactly what we're going to do, regardless of whether the team can do it uh, yes. and regardless of results. So so I can't dismiss that. As I say, I think that at the moment there's evidence this is this is Schrodinger's pressing there's arguments either way you can decide that the manager can get his ideas across because some players are taking it in or you can decide that the manager isn't because some players clearly aren't at the moment eternal optimist I think I'd be benefit of the doubt because I think to get that Rangers defence from where it was up to a passable standard not saying it's good but it's passable uh, in the time that he's done shows that this is an intelligent coach I do think that there are deeper underlying problems with the front players. They just don't score enough goals, and they're not going to. With that, I mean, that, that does lead us on to the likes of Garner, the likes of Wycorn. Have we now passed the point, I know, return, are these guys unsalvageable? Is it we must get rid in the summer? I think it's... Uh... It's, that's Schrodinger's uh, dilemma <laughs> to keep the theme going. How, what money? Uh, what money can we get back f- for these guys? Like Wahaler and Garner, they're not huge sums, but between them all, it was almost three million pounds. I reckon you could probably get that back. <sighs> I don't know. If... No, or close to it. I mean, you're right. I mean, I reckon you could probably get a million for Waghorn, a million for Garner. You're right about Halloran. So maybe two million then, say. And. Yeah, 2.2 I mean, Let's be optimistic Okay continue your optimism If we can get money back from I, This is going to sound like You know Revolutionary terror The red terror 1917 But I will get rid of them all Apart from Kenny Miller I don't think As you say They're going to start scoring goals Anytime soon I think the board Probably wanted Pedro To an extent To Not piss the cock he's got But instead to mould To fashion a new cock And it's not going to happen No it's, it's has, a difficult thing to do it is, unless you get like paper mache and I don't know latex. Who knows? Um, not that I've tried. <laughs> I was going to say, if you got one of those plaster cast kits. I do. Then yeah, you thought, um, you know, I could add an extra six inches here. Exactly. Well, it said the advert. I could bastard them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but then again, ten inches might have been too much. Uh, exactly. I mean, you know, it said uh, get to Owen's cock. I thought I'm not half in mind for anyone. Hey. Hey. But. Yeah, I, I, if we can get money for them, I get rid of all of them. They're not going to start becoming good. The only ones I've got any hope for at all at this level would be Dodo and Miller. And the Barry Mackay dilemma, which I might touch on maybe next week, depends on what happens on Saturday. But he remains frustrating. As my dad said to me at the game, he's been in poor form, but he's only one that can do anything out of the ordinary. But only one that can trap the ball, shoot from 20 yards, turn a defence, put a ball in behind a defence. The team we started with on Sunday are all plodders and not one of them has got anything special about the game. 
So you sell Barry Mackay or you play him, but you cannot bench him. Every team needs, especially every team that doesn't have huge finances, needs, if you like, journeyman, needs solid pros. Unfortunately, we have a squad of them and we have one player who has talent and one player on loan who has that talent, i.e. that ability to get behind the defence, to make something happen, to do something that no one else in the pitch can do. And it's no coincidence that Celtic are running away with everything this season because they've got four or five. Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, Aberdeen have got two or three uh, who've been in form. Uh, if you, you like it, the likes of McGinn and Hayes, etc. So Scotland and Scottish football is absolutely filled. It's like a journeyman dating night at Match.com. It's just absolutely filled to the brim with average... You know, like like a Match.com dating night, it's just filled with kind of average saddles that couldn't be picked up in the real world. Yes. Um, Scottish football, I suppose, is like a porn film, only featuring average-looking women and not very well hung guys in a badly lit set. Yeah, amateur. Yeah, it's like the, amateur The porn. tab amateur, when you, when you find yourself accidentally uh, coming across one of these sites. What's, what what sites are those, mate? I don't... I've heard about them. I did actually see a thing um, on Mark's website posted by Mark. Uh, if you go to the non-football section, you'll see this, folks. Where apparently, when you watch porn, you commit eight sins at once. I suppose it's it's like getting over with, though, isn't it? Well, my view is you've got to sin to be saved. I've always yeah. I've always said that. And just as well, really. I don't think it says anything in the Bible about thou shalt not go to ex-hamster. Well, that's the thing, especially nowadays that a lot of people are releasing their home movies. Right, uh, I don't get that. I mean, I, I really don't. And and some of our listeners out there, some of you must be, I've met you, a lot of you are perverts. Why, A, do you want to see yourself naked and doing the messes? When you're, you know, your flabby arse banging, your flabby white, you know, never seen the sun arse banging up and down skilllessly on a fucking IKEA bed, um, with your John Lewis sheets. I, I just, I don't understand that. And then even worse, releasing it. I know. Is there a market for this? Do, do people masturbate? Do they, do they search out ugly Scottish people and go right? That's it. Fucking check that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to town here. I'm getting right down and dirty. Maybe it's niche, like maybe beautiful folk in Hollywood look at Scottish grot porn. I quite like that idea. It's like um, when Cindy Crawford and Richard Gere split up, one of the reasons that was sort of leaked to the tabloid press was apparently the bedroom was disappointing, which I like. You mean the bedroom itself physically or what went on there? <laughs> maybe that was it. Maybe they both walked in and went, I just fucking hate this colour scheme. And neither had the, had the balls to say it the other, look, we're going to paint this. Although, ironically, it's funny you should mention ex-hamsters. Yeah, let's not go there. He's no, let's not. Notoriously no. litigious about that uh, accusation. Yeah, unlike unlike good that. old Lisa Stansfield, who's never once sued us for the old ice-stalking thing. And yet, when you Google ice-stalking, first thing comes up. Yeah, well, I mean, Mark Almond. Mark Almond. P- a pint? Two pints. Two pints. It was two pints from eight different cereals, apparently. Oh, God. No, so, one collapsed on stage. So the rumour was... So the rumour was. You know, but uh, that is one of those rumours that a bloke in the pub told me. So it must... no, no smoke with fire, <laughs> Exactly. Mate. So uh, that one must be true. Um, coming to the end, then, of uh, of this week's pod, a few things to, to get through. First of all, Scott, the rather ludicrous idea, which I don't know where it sprung up from. I think it might have been Celtic fans making mischief, but uh, it seems to have gained some traction. The rather ludicrous idea that Rangers should do a guard of honour for Celtic this Saturday. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it myself I mean I'd like to think although people have been criticising the board and me among them uh, I'd like to think that the board are in tune with the fans enough to know that we're not fucking doing that no if we're standing on either side of the Celtic team coming out into the pitch it's so we can just attack them uh-huh. more easily yeah exactly it should be to throw things at them you know if it's a case of that we're lining up our players to throw sticks at them as they yeah. come on the field then I'd be okay with it but um, again I wonder if it's one of these social media things that's just kicked off as far as I understand it, a guard of honour has done the game after they won the league and that's already happened 
Yep, that's always been the way. It's, in fact, to be honest, I don't think it was traditional ever anyway. No, it's one of these modern fucking things, isn't it? It's whole, I mean, Rangers won the league a lot. Obviously, you used to win it a lot. And I don't remember us getting officially applauded onto pitches and stuff. No, I can't I remember it. Really. During, during the 80s and 90s. Because, um, I mean, it's a load of pish. It's all of absolute modern Yeah, it is. It's just really shite. You know, we've won the league. It's it's not for anybody else. It's for your own supporters. It's between you and them. Same as I don't like to see kids coming on. Uh, you know, like when the players bring their kids on for the lap of honour. Yeah. It's, it's not about that. It's not. It's about the players and the fans. That's who it belongs to. And another team feeling the need to get involved in it. But I'd like to assume that we can't do it. We would do it. You know, if it was a classy thing to do, but we've got a tour of Japan that day. We do. We're flying out before the game, ironically. And uh, that so Celtic was tough to... In fact, they'll turn up with nobody there because we're in Japan. We're in Japan. The other thing to mention then, Scott, is the live pod. Which of took course, place now. On Friday evening at the, uh, the world-famous Loudon Tavern. Now, first of all, I'd like to place on record my thanks to the, all the staff at the Loudon, but in particularly to Greg Marshall, who was absolutely fantastic, could not have done more for us. And if you, you know, we've said it before, if you are going to partake of a, a beverage at Ibrox Way or to watch a Rangers away game, please go to the Loudon Tavern. They, they honestly are the nicest, nicest people in the whole world. They're also in tune with the support. And see if you want to think about the kind of things you'd like to see on match day. Even moving forward, the, undoubtedly Greg and his, his team will have thought of it. They are in tune with the Rangers support. The facilities are great. And definitely, that um, there are people to see if you get any Rangers-minded ideas. I'd like to thank everybody who turned up for it because it would have been a bit sad if it was the five of us and eight fans. And poor uh, Melissa, big shout out. She drove two of the podders. Oh, through. Mrs Cammy, yes. Yeah. Drove two of the podders through who then got pissed while she drank Diet Coke all night watching them. Mm, yeah, um, that, that was... Shout out, I'd say, for um, that. I'd like to, to say well done, of course, to myself. Um, for... You were magnificent. Wasn't I? Oh, I mean, honestly, I've never seen anything like it. Um, a couple of lines that... I must admit, I thought that the worst lines of the night wouldn't come from me, but I was wrong. Do you know, I I think there were a couple that are listening back to it And people have asked, will it be released? There's no fucking chance we can release the whole thing Um, But we will stick some excerpts um, onto a pod I didn't want to do it this week with it being an old firm pod And I don't want to take the focus away But uh, in a pod in a couple of weeks time We're going to actually have a podder who won the chance to be on the pod Um, So there'll be a, a new podder who has won the chance to make a guest appearance. So he'll be on in a couple of weeks. And at the end of that pod, we'll tag on um, some highlights from, from the podcast. Uh, you can see some photographs from the night on the Heart and Hand Facebook page. Just go to Heart and Hand, uh, go to Facebook, search for Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. You'll see some highlights from it. Uh, yes, I am looking well. Thank you for, for noticing. Uh, I've lost a bit of weight and obviously I'm not working, so... You know, I'm not stressed. So, yeah, I, I did look good, I have to say. Scott well, looked my, very smart. I did, yeah. My highlight of the evening, perhaps, was, was um, we accosted by two alcoholically enhanced chaps who said, it's funny when you're used to just the voices. We both thought David is maybe the handsome one. He's not, it's you. And I thought, God bless you both. Yeah, the two pushed people. No, they were on the way to being pissed. But no, still Scott, they were, char- they were no. on the way. They were in charge of the faculty. They were at, well, they, not caught in the land. They were at fucking Gilmer Street going into Glasgow, if that's the case. Uh, oh, they knew a smart looking... Oh, come on, they knew where the sex appeal was. Beer goggles, mate. What would have happened is if they'd woke up next to you, they'd have turned... What the fuck? You know, it would have been one of those. No, no, I don't think so. I think the only reason people kept us so far apart, you and I, other end of it, was because... Your anger, your jealousy, it was visible, palpable. It wasn't, was it? It wasn't, no. No, all the hot girls came and talked to me. Because the no, thing no, is, mate... Was there any hot girls there? Were no, there, no, there were. There, there were two. Oh, there were. <laughs> there were two or three, but you invited them all as guests. Yeah, exactly. You know. it was, it was um, blokes. Can I tell you folks what your demo... Do you know who you are, folks? We know who you are now, don't we, David? What's our demographic, yes. You are a male. You are between about 25 and maybe 40. Uh, yeah, yeah. You... Sometimes sport ludicrous facial hair. You definitely like the sort of Harrington jackets, the sort of you know skinny jean type thing going on. Navy blue. 
navy blue, a lot of navy blue, and no football colours of any kind. And you're a bit hip. A lot of you had your wee sort of white headphones going in from your jacket, and uh, you sort of fit bits on. And yeah, you're, you're kind of a wee bit metrosexual, aren't you? Mm. Some of them though did take. There were a couple who, t- who kind of took exception to me telling them the type of people I don't trust, which Scott infamously knows. Um, I don't trust left-handed people. I don't trust blonde-haired men, and that kind of thing always makes me a bit. What's the right mm. word for it? Standoffish, frightened. Yeah, a bit and, kind of. And one guy got a hold of the mic and said, "I'm a left-handed blonde guy," and I went outside and started kindling the fire. Well, to be honest, not many people get my a... rope. There's going to be a lynching. Yeah, well, not many people are a live event where the necromancer himself turns up. Mm. Um, yeah, I just so... uh, no, but seriously, if you are like left-handed and blonde, I'm sorry, but there's a you know, as a male, as a male. Um, Although, again, left-handed women, even blonde ones, is an odd thing because it confuses you if you're getting a handjob. Everything's to the wrong side. I don't think I complain that much, though. <laughs> no, that's just taking the game, no. No, just the game. If there's no hands at all, I'd still be encouraging her to do her best. Exactly. You know I mean? Just kind of rub it with your hips. I know, just... place, it, place it between me and you and kind of side it. You know? I get going, there's a cushion. Fucking look at it at this stage, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should probably do it. Look at it and say dirty, you know, look at it and say, you know, snot or shite, arsehole. <laughs> exactly. Match your days on in five minutes. Oh, exactly. Give, that, give that, me your best. I'll probably get it. Okay then, folks, all that means for me to do is to say you can come visit us on the aforementioned Facebook page, Heart and Hand. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, I'm at ibrockrocks. Scott is? Scott Heart Hand. There was a thing this week on uh, Mark's website where Scott had said something and somebody posted, the guys from Heart and Hand had said, please don't do that, don't let me in with that bastard. Right, because what happens is I end up getting the blame for it. I end up, it comes out, oh, Edgar said this, and it's, well, I didn't fucking say that. You know, well, Edgar said we should send them all back, and I'm thinking, that must have been Scott. Well, no, actually, remarkably, uh, on Friday... There wasn't that much content, but nothing arrestable, really. Uh, no, when you listen yeah. back. Okay, well, yeah, there was. Um, still, uh, we did our best, is all I'll say. Yes, we did. Um, thanks to our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers. Thank you to my guest this week, the delightful Mr Scott Vandenacker. Let's hope things turn around again on Saturday. Come on, come on, come on. Absolutely. And for everybody, uh, right, there's only two words that we can say, but... Uh, they're always opposite and especially this week keep believing my name's David Edgar I'll talk to you again this time next week cheers bye Podcast Network.